Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Kate Doty is the author of Mergers and Acquisitions, or Everything I Know About Love I Learned on the Wedding Pages. She is a writer and former editor at the New York Times, where she covered the news of food, weddings, business, New York, and more. Her work has appeared in the Times, Southern Living, Our State, and other publications. A graduate of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, she lives in Raleigh, North Carolina with her family. Welcome, Kate. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss mergers and acquisitions. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I have been looking forward to this book for so long. When I first saw like the cover image and the topic, I was like, I cannot wait for this as someone who like <laughs> tried to get in the vows column at one point in my life, successfully, I might add. I, I just like, and who read it religiously, by the way, for years and years and years. I just couldn't wait to talk to you. So anyway, welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I've heard several stories kind of like that, like people who just read them religiously and, you know, for entertainment or because they see their friends or just like a combination of the two or just like a bit of hubris or schadenfreude or whatever. So 
for whatever reason you read them. You know what? <laughs> and then I want to go back so you can explain why we're even discussing this. Well, first of all, okay. Okay. Tell everybody what this book is about and then I'll go back <laughs> into my own thoughts about it. <laughs> okay. Well, this book is overarchingly about our obsession with romantic love, but what literally it's about is when I came to the New York Times uh, to New York when I was about 24, the job that they threw me into was writing the wedding announcements. And I have been obsessed with weddings since I was about five years old, as the book details. I mean, like, right up to, like, you know, trying on my mother's wedding dress or, like, you know, basically stealing my grandmother, my new step-grandmother's wedding bouquet, you know, when I was five years old. So was priceless, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) My cousin, Mary Margaret, does not know that's in the book. Uh Uh-oh. So we'll see. (laughs) I won't tell anyone. (laughs) Anyway, and so... You know, I've just always been obsessed with weddings. And when I landed at the Times writing the wedding announcements, I thought, well, this is like a match made in heaven for me because obviously I love writing. I was there to be a writer and I love weddings. So it was a great way to, to, you know, mesh the two. But I also was, I mean, I'm not from small town, North Carolina, but like I'm from the South where wedding announcements are very important, but they're not the New York Times wedding announcements. They're not these like vaunted, you know, they're not the things that like people think about like, what's going to be on my headstone? Like I got married, I was in the New York times and I like, you know, did whatever. And so it was sort of a, I had sort of a steep learning curve and it was a great way to learn about a certain part of not just New York, but like, you know, how the country feels about weddings. And then beyond that, it sort of opened my eyes to how people think about commitment. And so, you know, at the beginning I was learning about weddings in New York and and sort of like getting my feet wet in the city and a place that I loved and wanted to be in so badly. But then I really started thinking about, well, what people think about weddings and commitment and why we commit and why we get married in the first place. And in the middle of all this, I was, I had started to date the man who eventually became my husband. And we both had like major anxiety about getting married and major apprehension about it for various reasons. And so it's, it's about all these things. So it's my memoir of writing the Times announcements, meeting all these people, talking to these people who I would never have talked to otherwise, like learning cool things about them, but also understanding why they decided that marriage, you know, to quote Anna was the next right thing, mm-hmm. you know, to, like, to, to make that final leap or, or whatever. So that's why we're here. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> you know, I loved, of course, all the stuff about the wedding stuff and column and everything, but I really loved your own relationship, especially your like <laughs> obsession with Adnan. Is that how you pronounce it? Adnan. Adnan. Yes. That's not his real name, but okay. yes. All right. Whatever, whatever his name <laughs> yeah. really was. Because yeah. <laughs> I feel like you were so open about just like how hooked you were. I feel like you said it, in fact, straight out, you know, like I was hooked. I was totally in it. It was hot. It was amazing. And like, I feel like a lot of people don't write about those relationships where you're just so in it and you can't even explain why. And yet it's all you think about. And anyway, you just captured that so well. I found myself like not knowing whether I wanted you guys to get together or if I wanted you to stay away. And like when you hooked up before your trip, I was like, no, she went there. (laughs) But then I was like, I don't know, maybe it will work when she moves to New York. And I don't know. You just like had me along for the ride. (laughs) Didn't work even a little bit. (laughs) Not a little bit at all. But I think it's so important to embrace those relationships that we have, you know? I mean, whether like, whether we decide to commit and then like decide that's not what we want, or it's so important to talk about those parts of our lives. I mean, they become building blocks of who we are and they are, they're like parts or help me, they're pins on a map of where we want to go. So, you know, I, 
it had this, I mean, it was amazing. I have to say with Adnan. Um, <laughs> with Adnan. I, like he's, he's still, he's still a friend. Is he? Um, I was wondering was, what the status was there. Yeah. Yes. He's still a friend. He knows about the book. You know, we've, we've talked about it and you know, it, it is what it is, but, but, you know, I still count him as like, you know, part of my heart because we have such a this weird, but great, but terrible, but fraught, but kind of great and hot relationship all at once. Like we were young together. We helped each other through that part of our lives, you know, like post-college trying to figure out what you want. And, you know, we also like, I, I can't speak for him, but like, I learned a huge amount from that relationship about what I wanted, what I didn't want, how to get out of something that was not really working. Although frankly, like, you know, he basically pulled the plug, but it was good. Like he was the one who was like, this is not working. You know, we're, this is the end. And because otherwise I don't think that I would have just gone along for the ride, but it was helpful to have that person say like, Mm-mm, this is not what I want. And that by proxy helped me figure out what it is I wanted. And it turns out what I want still is like three rooms down the hall teaching a class. And <laughs> so, <laughs> and we just had our 11th anniversary on Saturday. Aww. Yes, I saw you posted about it. It was so cute. Yeah, we got away. We got away. Good for you. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, I love seeing that. And how does he feel about this book? So you have the odd. Not everybody knows that it's coming out. Like, yeah, how does he feel? How does he feel reading about how like sexual a relationship you had with somebody else? He was, <laughs> so <laughs> that, you know, my, oddly enough, my mom asked me the same mm. question. I was like, I'm not going to talk about that with you because you're my brother. <laughs> it was, so he refused, he's very, he's, he's a real traditionalist about books and he refused to read most of it until the hard copies arrived, which was like 10 days ago, I think, or something like that. So we unboxed the books and he went and sat on the couch and like took the deck, took the day off from work the next day to read this book, like straight through. Wow which was so sweet and so adorable. And he had read parts of it, the parts of, he read the parts of the book that told the stories of our lives that we were both involved in, not for fact-checking purposes, just for me to make sure that like, he's okay with me telling this part of the story from my perspective. But in terms of the Anand stuff, like he had a pretty good idea of that, of what that relationship was. I mean, I will say he was like, why didn't you write about me like this? And I was like, cause I'm married to you. I mean, and like, <laughs> we've been together for 17 years. <laughs> like, there are some things that are just as obvious as oxygen, you know, and I almost don't feel like I needed to write about that. And I have said like, I'm not going to write anything about our marriage like that. That to me is off limits. I mean, that's not everything is copy, I think. So yeah, he's, I will say like, we've been kind of joking about like, well, if this were made into a movie and he said like, so Anand was very tall and my husband is, is not blessed in that way, I would say. <laughs> and it's sort of a joke. I mean, we're both, we're both pretty short people. And he said that the one thing he wants to make sure of is that the person who plays him is taller than the person who plays Anand. So oh, that's, that's so funny. That's oh my so gosh. Men story. are hysterical. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> Height would never be a factor in the casting of myself in a movie. I have to say, no, not, not ever. Not ever. No, I mean, I'm you know five. When my license says I'm five one, and that's a lie. So okay. I'm five two. So you know, I get it. <laughs> I think. I mean, I, I I can stand by that. I think pretty confidently yes. at this point. But you know, when I slump, which yes. is always okay. Yeah. So back to the house <laughs> part of the book, which was super, totally interesting. 
also in addition to watching your love life unfold. And, you know, anyway, let's go back to what it was like, because you paint such a great picture of like arriving in New York and, you know, how your editor was suddenly like the most important person, like this guy sitting next to you, who's like all of a sudden in his world, like he becomes the guy for a short period of time. And then of course they get married, move on and like kind of forget about him. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, totally. 100%. It's hysterical. Cause like the guy who Ira is based on, I mean, he's no longer with the times he's, he's retired for health reasons. And he's like, he is just the loveliest man. And he's so, when you talk to him, he's just very, what's the word? Almost courtly, I would say. And his like, in this presentation of himself and the way he talks to people, but he, I would say not speaking for him, but I would say he absolutely knew his power and like knew the sway that he held. And it was funny, like seeing this dichotomy of this like guy who's not necessarily shy and retiring. I would never call him that, but he was very, it was almost like a Jekyll and a Hyde, you know, like he was this very kind of quiet guy. And then like he would deal with these couples who were really demanding or they could be really demanding. They could also just be lovely and, and just be cool and just be so thrilled to be in the times in the first place. But like there were people who not only saw being in the times as a privilege, but they saw it as their right. Mm -hmm. You know, like they thought it was something that like, of course that would be part of their life's trajectory. Like why would that not be a thing for them? You know, of course. And so it was very funny listening to him on the phone. And he also like, he went into the office, he came home. That was it. Like there was no, he didn't ever go to parties. He never made any, or as far as I knew, like he never made any like society appearances. He was like never out on the town. Like Bill Cunningham would never have caught him in a photo, but he still for like a very short period of time held a huge amount of power. And like, he totally reveled in it. And he's such a sweet man. Like, I feel like I'm kind of trash talking. No, but, like, not at all. You know, I can tell you have respect for him. You know, it's interesting because you wrote about what it takes to kind of be a journalist and perhaps that kind of journalist in particular. But you said, underneath it all, they, we are all weird. Weird precisely because of the personal cost and little glory of the profession, maybe. Weird because we live for other people's stories. Weird because we don't blink an eye at working when the rest of the world stops to react. Weird because we drive into storms instead of away from them. I loved that. That's such a great, that was just so cool. Thank you. Yeah. So I feel like there's something about it that there's like this instinct that you get if you want to report on the world instead of not instead of live it, but that you want to be that you want to have that role in your in your lifetime. 100%. I mean, my husband is still a practice a working journalist and he also teaches at the University of North Carolina. So like he is very passionate about it and I have stepped away from it and do something and I'm a writer not that kind of writer. Anyway, I'm not doing that. And I'm, I'm not practicing journalism anymore, but that's still very much a part of our lives and our ethos and the way we're raising our kid. And, you know, we've, we've been talking about skepticism with her since she was about three years old. So I think that, that which is probably going to come around to bite us in the ass, but whatever. Anyway. Well, I have a six-year-old boy who might like to have that conversation with your three-year-old girl in about like 30 years. Maybe they could go out and, you know. Six, six is hard. Success. They're all hard. It's all anyway. Anyway, anyway. (laughs) it's a different conversation, but we do, I think we do feel like that. And I remember, and I think I wrote about this in the book, the first story I wrote, you know, I went down to the medical school and interviewed this guy, David Wool about, he was working on the AIDS cocktail and he's still there vaccinating people right now. Like he's in the paper and on the local news all the time. This is the same guy working to improve lives and, and help people, you know, stay healthy. And I remember 
coming back from the medical school and like sitting down at this, like, you know, 1997 Mac or whatever, Apple to whatever it was <laughs> and thinking, this is amazing. This is amazing. Cause I got, cause you sort of, you can ask almost any question you want. Right. So like, if you're naturally curious and if you're naturally nosy, it's a great thing to be a part of, but you also, there is a mission to it. You know, there is a sort of, I wouldn't say advocacy. I mean, that's, that flies in the face of, of it all, but, and I wouldn't say activism, but there is the idea of upholding, you know, the public trust and, and facilitating a rigorous public conversation about whatever it is that may be happening. And the times has a particularly, you know, obviously vaunted perspective on that. And I never, you know, when I read that first story, I never thought, oh, I'm going to go work for the New York Times. I just thought, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, this is cool. And when I first saw my first byline, I was like, this is exactly what I want to do. But there is a sort of driving into the storm aspect that I think I still have in my heart and probably will never, never get rid of. Oh, so. That's great. <laughs> Love it. Well, we need, we need that in society. People going in as everybody runs away. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I think what also you're saying about people's stories fit so well into this vows obsession, right? Because I was trying to analyze why did I read them all the time? Like I looked forward to Sunday. I would like grab that section and like <laughs> race over and pour over every listing. And I remember thinking like, everyone, I'd be like, well, these guys aren't going to make it. Or yeah, <laughs> like, I think these guys, yeah. Like, look at this, this mom and mother-in-law situation. This is not going to work. I can already tell, <laughs> you know, there were like so many warning, warning signs just in the facts. I feel like, Holy. right. There should have been some <laughs> sort of black market, like predictor for which vows things made it and which didn't actually, there probably is somewhere, but maybe I, I don't want to know about it. <laughs> that fares on it. Yeah. Well, you know, well, Gawker did that thing, you know, they scored the nuptials that I wrote about. And I, sometimes they would say like, these people are not going to make it. Like there's just no way on earth. I mean, I forget what their criteria was or were, but I mean, yes, I used to do the same thing. I mean, you talk to these people and you hang up the phone and be like, yeah, no, no. Mm -mm. no. <laughs> 
but it's also <laughs> the stories. Like, and I think that's why, and maybe it's because I'm getting older that I've started not pouring over vows as much as I do the obits, right? Like, because now that's what I like to read the most. I know that sounds ridiculous. I mean, I like to read all. No, it's not. Right? It's just because it. What it is? It's just a glimpse at a life, and it's a story. It's a story in two paragraphs that it would take a whole book to read. And you can just like imagine, like, what if or what happened or who is this person? And I don't know. It's just like, what do you think? I mean, I always said that if I could get my dream job at the New York Times, it would either be to what be the weddings editor. I think with this book, I'm never getting my dream job at the Times, but this is fine. It's fine. It would either, (laughs) I think we're done. I would either be the weddings editor or the obits editor. And it's because those are the, you know, those are two, again, pens in the maps of people's lives. And I always thought that the people who got, who got to write obits, it was such, even if it was some, for somebody like Edie Mean, you know, or some like, you know, 10 pot dictator, it would still be an honor to be able to trace this person's life and to be able to do it in a way that was multifaceted and really held them up to the world. And I mean, what your your wedding and vows call me and announcement, whatever, that's a special day, right? But your death is a special day too. And I think that we tell these stories to, you know, to put it in the record, to honor these people, to showcase them for who they really are. And I think that that's the truth for both vows columns and obits. And, you know, I think I love reading profiles of people who have done cool stuff. I love reading profiles of people who are trying to change the world, you know, however they feel that it needs to be changed. And I love that because I don't know, just digging deep into a person is so important, so important. And I think that it's good to show everybody that here is when my life, I mean, obviously all lives matter, but here's a point in my life when that really mattered, you know, and here's a point in my life where I could say I did this and here's a point in my life when I cared about this. And yeah, I agree. I, I I love reading the obits too. And also like some of the obit writers like Margot Fox, they're, they're amazing too. But, and those obits are chosen just as judiciously as, well, even more so because more people die than get married every week, even more so than the vows columns. And so I totally agree. And especially now over the past 14 months, the way that they have treated the obits, as you all know, have been... I think with such care, it made me think of, um, remember after September 11th, they did the, you know, people we've lost. Profiles, yep. Yeah. The pro- yeah. Profiles. Yeah. Profiles and terror or something. I bought that book. They, they, they came out with a book after of all the, <laughs> anyway, I have it here somewhere. But. Yeah. 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 And like, I, do you remember the Vanity Fair portrait of like the, the team that did the September 11th profiles? Like they did the coverage and it was a picture of like the Metro editor. It was so it was not funny, haha, but it was so like important and somber. And I think like Annie Leibovitz shot it and it was like mm-hmm. at the Metro desk. And I just remember looking at this portrait and knowing most of the faces behind those very like, and just thinking about what they had to go through to write those portraits. And I think a portrait of a person, no matter what point they are, they're at in their lives is so valuable. And so that's one reason I valued writing the vows columns and writing the wedding announcements so much even though it was also wildly entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> Which thank you for sprinkling into the book too. That was really yeah. fun. <laughs> so what's your like 
overall takeaway on marriage after this whole book in like a sentence or two? Because like <laughs> I keep hearing from younger people now that I'm in my 40s that like marriage is just like not even a, such a thing. Like they're like, why get married? Like I have, they're just like, it gets great. We live together or we don't and whatever. And I don't know, why do it? And I'm so is that where the world is going? Oh, oh my God. I had a conversation about this on Friday and like, I wish I had a clear answer, but I hear the same thing. You know, my, when I was teaching at UNC, I would bring it up to my students and these are obviously like 19, 20, 21 year old kids. But when I was 21 years old, finishing up college, like the MRS degree was a thing. I mean, people would like meet in college, you know, move to DC, like work a couple of years and get married or move to New York or, you know, whatever, like they would, there would be, or there would be this sort of trajectory, right? And like, this is not even a thing. Like I was talking to the, one of uh, my husband's former students who became our nanny and she was like, I'm not getting married ever, mm-hmm. ever. And I was like, okay, cool. Yes. So whatever, I'm, I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm not judging, I'm just curious. Yep. But I mean, we went through this a lot. Like, like we were to get my client, my husband and I were together six years before we got married. And we obviously, as documented in the book, we had a lot of anxiety about making that, you know, going into the final frontier or whatever, but we kept this, we decided we wanted to do it because we wanted to stand up in front of the people that mattered most of us, most to us, you know, our family, our friend, you know, whatever, and say like, this is the person I choose. Because I think that you need a community to help a marriage keep going, you know, like you need your friends, like your, your spouse needs their friends. You need your family. And sometimes you don't need your mother-in-law, but that's neither here nor there. But most of the time you do, like you do, you need these support pillars around you to help. I don't know, just as, just as it takes a village to raise a child, I think it takes a community to help maintain a marriage or help maintain a relationship. And you can do that obviously without standing up in front of, you know, a priest or a rabbi or, or just a piece or whatever. But I think that it's, a really, it's still a really good thing to have those markers in your life of like, this is the day that I stood up and said yes to this. And that's, that's the value I see in a wedding anyway. And a marriage, I mean, the marriage, you can't have a wedding with that. Well, you actually can't have a wedding without a marriage, but a successful wedding, you know, usually culminates, culminates in a marriage. And yeah, I don't know. I should, I should have, I should be more coherent about this since we just celebrated, you know, 11 years but I get to wake up next to this person most days and think, this is what I'm going to do today. And as you know, the past year or so has really tested everything. It's tested the bonds of spouses and parents and children and friends and all of these things. And, you know, I, I think my relationship with my child has gotten a lot more challenging over the past year, but my relationship with my husband has become even more solid, I think, than it had been just because like, I had this teammate. And again, you can do that without a a wedding. You can do that without a marriage. But for me, and I think I'm guessing for you too, and for a lot of maybe women in our cohort or age group, that is just, it feels like bedrock. I agree. Yeah, no, I'm divorced and I got remarried as quickly as I, as I could. (laughs) 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 I know everyone's like, why? I'm like, I I just, cause I, I have to. Also, it's like, it, I don't know. It, it it felt to me at least like it wasn't like I wanted people to take it as seriously as I felt about it in a way, right? Like, mm-hmm. anyway. yeah. okay. So what advice would you have? I barely even talked about your writing, but because <laughs> I could talk to you about this other stuff for so long. I feel like we're only scratching the surface. And I'm sorry. 
That's okay. What advice would you have to aspiring authors? Oh, golly. Get a good group of writers. Prefer- oh, well, okay. Let me backtrack. Women writers. I would say get a good group of women writers around you who take no, who have no problem with kicking your ass and being like, did you write today? What'd you do? What'd you do? What are you doing? What are you doing? When are you going to do it? And I don't mean that in like a, a jerky way, but I mean that it, you need that just as a merit needs community. I think a writer needs community as well. So that's one thing. And number two, um, I mean, I am, <laughs> I feel particularly sort of vulnerable right now because I'm trying to work on a second book. And I think many first time writers think the second book is never going to happen, but also many people who have never written a book think their first book is never going to happen. And so I think that you just have to have faith in yourself as trite as that sounds, because that's one of the hardest things to do. But I think a community will help you do that. And the other thing is everybody says, read, read. Yes, of course. But like, go be quiet, especially this year. It's been so hard to find time for quiet, especially if you have children, you're trying to do this and juggling 7,000 different things. Like the quiet of the mind is so vital to this, as you well know, and having that space to do that is so, it feels like a privilege at this point. And so being able to find the quiet of the mind, I think is one of the most important things. I say that like I wrote this book while working full time, juggling a child, dealing with a husband who had gotten laid off from, a, you know, <laughs> like there was just all of this stuff coming on. So I don't know if I can necessarily practice what I preach, but going forward, I hope to. But I will say that I could not have written this book without a supporting community of like loving women, honestly. That's amazing. So. Well, Kate, thank you. It was so nice to chat. I want to like continue this because that was too short, but I loved your book. <laughs> I love the title. I just love everything. It's just awesome. And just like how out there you are. I just loved it. Like from everything from you're saying, like, let's just say like that we're hot women when we're 24 years old or whatever. <laughs> so, like you're totally like unobscured sort of like hot sex relationship. I was just in the whole and obviously and all the intellectual stuff too, but it was just great. Totally loved it. So thank you. Oh, thank you. That is so kind of you. I really, I really appreciate this. It is, it feels very weird to be sort of so out there, but I can't take it back now. Nope, so don't. Here we no, it's the, those are the best parts. The parts you're afraid to put out there. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com